It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Here we go. It's another edition of the Fantasy Points Matchup Podcast here on Wednesday, October 6th in the evening is when we're recording this. I'm John Hansen. This podcast is basically a little bit of a teaser in terms of the content that we get from our guy Greg Cosell from NFL Films. We did just lower the price for a subscription. I believe we knocked it down commensurate with the percentage of the season that's gone. I believe it's like 25% off. And you could also get an additional 10% off if you're not a subscriber by using the promo code 21 Hansen 10. Now that's H E N S E N. We don't talk to the O N people just so you know, it's H E N S E N. And uh, again, 10% off the website here. Uh, still plenty of football to go. And we go throughout the playoffs and the off season as well. Greg in the film room. Have you hit that? first quarter of the season wall yet i, th- I think <laughs> i hit it and i think i'm over it already <laughs> you know i just grind away john i mean i just you know i can't even afford to think that way i just kind of come in and do what i have to do every day and hopefully can see as much as i can in the context of you know doing my matchup show and other things and you know obviously you know matchups my number one job because i work for nfl films but you know, so that has to always take priority every week. And then I just try to grind away and get as much tape watched, whatever I can. How about like, uh, do you avoid getting sick? Because my entire family last week had some sort of virus, not not COVID, but believe it or not, people actually had viruses and they got sick before COVID. I, I know it's shocking, but right. I've been fighting this thing off. I think I kicked its ass, and which would extend my record to like 26 straight years without getting seriously ill. Uh, forget about the off season. That, that's anything's possible there. But I, you do that too? Like your body just refuses to get sick? Well, that, I don't know. I mean, knock on wood, I haven't been, you know, for a, a long time. So I just, you know. Uh, just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, let's get to what you're doing, and you're watching tape, and you're watching film. Let's start with Seattle. Uh, I know you saw their their offense. Not 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 a great feeling right now no. in terms of what what are you seeing here? Uh, narrow it down. You know, a lot of three and outs. They they don't have a lot of great players. Honestly, you take away DK and Lockett, I don't know what we have. They can't run the ball either, Greg. No, and they struggle to run it. And there's been no rhythm to the pass game, which is a little surprising given who their new coordinator is. Maybe that's just going to take time, and at some point it will click in. Uh, I can't answer that. None of us can. But I was optimistic after watching them week one, and it's it's sort of settled back uh, a bit since then. This particular week, and they obviously felt there was something about the 49ers defense that they wanted to do this, but this particular week, they played a very high percentage of their offensive snaps, which weren't many, by the way, um, with two tight ends. Mm. 28 of their 54 offensive snaps came with two tight ends. Now, keep one thing in mind, and this is a little odd. They've not had a game this year where they've run more than 56 offensive plays. Through four weeks, they've run the fewest offensive plays of any team 
in the league. So they've never really gotten into any kind of rhythm at all. Yeah. Well, and Pete wants to slow the game down and run the ball for one. Um, but they're not seemingly having a lot of success running it. Carson's looked okay. I mean, and pretty good. On now, some... I think Collins is going to be the back this week. I mean, he looked, he did look good. I mean, he, he was bringing it downhill with urgency. Yeah. Per usual, right? Yeah, I think he'll be the back. But their their offense has no consistency. They've hit a few big plays here and there um, with Metcalf and Lockett. But there hasn't been any rhythmic feel to a pass game at all. And now you have the Rams defense coming to town. It is in Seattle, but, you know, pretty well-coached defense. They know each other well, though. Russell, in the matchup last year, didn't do well, though. He only had one touchdown, as you likely know. He did. He completed 61% of his passes, which is a low number for him. 6.9 in attempt, which is a very low number for him. Essentially, Ramsey erased DK Metcalf. So what do you think about this, this well, matchup? I'm curious to see if that happens. Because who did Ramsey just play against this week? Uh, the Cardinals, they, right? Don't yeah. they have a pretty good wideout in DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, and he didn't travel. He matched up to him four times in the game. Wow. So the question is, is he going to match up to DK Metcalf? I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm fascinated by the Rams' defense, John, simply because they don't play Ramsey as a matchup corner at all. Basically, he lines up inside. Now, if in their base defense, if indeed Seattle goes with twelve personnel, um, in their base defense, he will play outside. But when they're in their nickel, he plays inside. Yeah, and they're. Seemingly committed to that. What do you think their motivation is there? What What is their angle with that? You know, I I, I spent watching their tape this week because I watched that yesterday. I kept trying to think and look, you know me well enough to know that I always take the point of view that coaches are smarter than I am because they're with their players every day. They they you know, they just know more than I do. They certainly have a lot more access to the game plan and everything yeah. than you do. Right. So. I'm trying to figure out, I know people say, well, he's closer to the action. You know, yeah, exactly. I think that's an easy thing to say. Does he blitz more? But not very often. But I was sitting watching the tape yesterday thinking to myself, corner is a pretty premium position in the NFL. You've got arguably the best corner in the league on your roster, and you don't match him up to to wide to the best wide receivers i'm just thinking this i'm not making yeah, a judgment I mean, it depends on million dollars because he's a shutdown island man-to-man right. -man corner what i just said is like saying two and two is four this is yeah. how they play they have arguably the best corner in the league they do not match him up to me i'm watching the tape and i'm thinking they use him like he's a better kenny moore Jeez, that's the way i mean i'm watching the tape thinking that like well, I said, I'm not making a judgment, but yeah. to me, that's kind of how he's used. Yeah, I think the uh, Packers are starting to do something similar with Jair Alexander. He well, he goes inside because I uh, we don't know if that's the reason he goes inside. Right. But I will say this: we won't know now because he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, I was just going to say we don't know about Jair Alexander now because it looks like he's going to be out for a while. Right. Right. Oh, okay. I thought you had another point there, but no, no. I mean, I, like I said, just to wrap up Ramsey for this given game from a fantasy perspective, I just can't speak with any certainty 
Let's put it this way. The track record of this season is what we have with Raheem Morris as the new coordinator. Up to this point, through four games, he has not been used hardly at all. The percentage is minuscule with him being used as a as a matchup corner. And keep one other thing in mind. They hardly play man coverage. They are near the bottom of the NFL in percentage of cover one. Near mm. the bottom, okay? So yeah. they're not a man coverage defense. Yeah, they're they're giving up some numbers. They're giving up nearly 300 yards passing per game and a completion rate of 71%. So, I mean, only one touchdown per game with passing, which is pretty good. But I, I could argue that this isn't going particularly well. But, I mean, the defense overall is strong. Wow, that's a, it's going to be interesting. I, I do think that Gerald Everett, no matter what, in a revenge game, c- could be a difference maker here. I, I think he needs to be cleared obviously but i think he's trending toward going because i mean i just don't want to rely on freddie swain we need a third passing option preferably yeah, I in like the middle freddie of the field swain. i actually think he's a pretty good receiver so yeah yeah well, you know complimentary guy i'm, I'm not sure well, we that's wanna... what that's normally what your slot guys are yeah um, yeah normally but he hardly played this week because they were committed to playing 12 personnel which like i said i believe that was in their mind a function of their opponent i don't know if that's something they'll do every week now, for the Rams, I know you've seen Seattle's defense. We talked about it a lot last week. In fact, I, I believe we predicted a big game for Debo here last week. Um, Got to think that Stafford, predictable. He he had a, he missed some throws last week. He'll bounce back this week. Right, because everything's predictable, and they could just find those soft spots and, and carve, it up, carve it up, right? The Seahawks defense is not very good. They, they're another team that doesn't play much man coverage at all. They play a ton of zone. Um, so, you know, I think you can attack this defense pretty, pretty clearly. I mean, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's big issues there. By the way, how good did Daryl Henderson look, man? He was bringing it last week. Yeah. And again, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess, is he their number one back? It seems that way. Now, maybe they were, it was a short week. There were, <clears throat> Sony had a bunch of carry touches over 24, I believe, opportunities against a tough buck defense. And I don't know. I, I thought Sony would have a little bit of a larger role. I think they're playing with fire if they're going to make uh, Daryl Henderson the guy, but he, dan- he did look right. damn good. Right? He looked good. Um, now, obviously, he had 14 carries in a game in which obviously they were behind. So um, I don't know if that means if he's the guy, if he's going to get 20 carries. I don't, you know, may- maybe that's the case. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, Stafford missed some throws last week that he normally makes, and um, but but you know, getting back to the Seahawks defense, they are they're not a very good defense at all. I mean, it's I I, I I'm not exactly sure. You know, look, they 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 what's their staple? Where are they hanging their hat on? They're a high percentage zone coverage defense. Okay, yeah. they they're another team on third down. They've played the second lowest percentage of, of man coverage of any team in the NFL. And they right. play a ton of split safety. So they're a zone coverage team that does not play much man at all. I noticed in your notes that you're, you're intrigued by Tyler Higby basically lining up outside a lot. Yeah. Or... They, yeah. I mean, my sense just watching the tape is that they're, they're lining up Higby outside more this year. That's my sense. I, I don't have numbers for that. It's just my sense watching the tape. I mean, I, I can actually call, call that up. But 
you know, the production actually hasn't been, been great. No, unfortunately. So when you watch how he's been utilized thus far, are you inclined to believe that maybe we'll see, uh, an increase in, in production? Um, that's a hard question to answer because they've got really good wide receivers, obviously. Right. So it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a case where you're thinking, Oh, you know, he's got to throw it to Higby or their pass game is not going to work. They've got really good wide receivers. Yeah, no question. I'm, I'm trying to uh, call up, uh, you know, the, the routes here uh, on him, but we can, we can move on. Uh, I do have it. Believe me, trust me. I do have it somewhere, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not able to talk to, toggle to the team. Uh, I can though, while you were talking about Justin Fields in start number two and And he's now been named the starter as you know yeah yeah well it it clearly was better um let me ask it this way obviously last week was just so horribly bad that there were like 17 different things probably going wrong for fields and the offense but when you think about the tape from last week and then the tape from this past sunday you know how much of the struggles I'm sure Fields was a little bit better taking the first team reps all week for another week and all that good stuff. But how much of the struggles do you just simply pin on the fact that the Brown defense might be nasty right now? I think some of that is absolutely true, by the way. I think because they did, they still featured five man protection concepts, which of course everybody says you can't do. Um, It must be against the rules, I guess, based on what people are saying, but they still featured five-man protection concepts and quick game throws, just as they did last week. Yeah. The difference in this game was the throws were there and clean, and Fields was not under any pressure, which allowed him to make the throws. Right Now, they did add a play-action pass game where there is six- or seven-man protection with deeper throws and um, not more difficult reads per se, like he had Robinson on Twitter for 28 yards on what we call the dagger concept. Yeah. That's a basic read. That's not a difficult read. Um, but you pr- you have to protect it up because it's a it's essentially a two-man route concept that rec- that has verticality to it. So they protected for him and he made throws and he made a couple of big time throws. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he looked really good throwing the football, no question. And I think he had a 27 yard at a Robinson late in the third quarter in the deep outside. That was a throw man. outside void and cover two. Now that was, that was a seven man protection, which you know what that tells me? That tells me they knew they were what they were getting from a coverage standpoint and could attack it with few, fewer eligible receivers. That's what it tells me. Cause yeah. if you're only going to send three out, then you have to feel really comfortable that you know what you're getting. Well, Yeah. They also don't really have any other good receivers other than the top two. But, yeah, I hear you. Uh, Tyler Higby, by the way, uh, 29% of the snaps he's out wide this year. It's got to be up from last year. It just, like I said, you know, you, you could probably check last year's too. But, I mean, it just seems to me it's more. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about, because we love Darnell Mooney. He was my breakout <laughs> wide receiver. Right. And, and Well, I, he's going to get it, some targets down the field now. That's for sure. And, and w- what we saw was the guy can – get open pretty easily, right? Create separation and fields can put it up right on him, right? Um, yeah, I mean, he can, you know, he's a vertical guy. He can run. There's no question about that. So, you know, again, Chicago uh, is playing at Las Vegas. It's actually a good matchup 
for Fields and the Bears because the the um, the Raiders are pretty defined defensively with their coverage concepts under Gus Bradley. So, right. you know, it, it shouldn't be a case where you don't know what you're going. My guess is, and this I can pull up, and I'm going to do that right now, my guess is that the Raiders are near the top of the league in, in cover three. Um, and I'll be able to tell you that right now. Um, uh, I could tell you they're like top seven in zone coverage, zone percentage. Yeah. All right. So they're in the top six in cover three. And the other coverage they play a good amount of is cover one. So they're a single high safety defense that gives you cover three, cover one. You know what you're going to get. That's what they do. Does that make them more more vulnerable to big plays? Um. It's not a matter of vulnerable, in the, but it's the fact that there's a predictability to what they give you coverage-wise, so you feel very comfortable scheming against it. What I was going to ask you was the Allen Robinson struggling, and you know, I'm thinking maybe that. Well, I don't know. I don't know if Allen Robinson is struggling as much as the pass game was kind of a non-factor. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant for yeah. for fantasy. We're we're all struggling. Well, struggling for fantasy. I don't know if the player is struggling. Oh yes, right. We're struggling, but we need we need a pick me up. Like, do you think the the vertical stretch to field element that Mooney clearly brings to the table, like? The, that seems to complement Allen Robinson very well. I, I feel like he well, can clear things you, out. John, I mean, that's pretty basic in, in terms of football. Anytime you have a vertical threat that can stretch the defense, you're losing a player in coverage in, in the intermediate and and maybe two players in coverage in the intermediate area. So that helps receivers like Robinson, who are essentially short to intermediate receivers. Robinson is not a true vertical threat. I mean, he can at times, but... Does it help him? Sure, it does. If you have yeah. that guy that can that can lift the top off a of defense, that helps. Hey, we're groping here, man. We're desperate. We're we're right. We're in a corner and curled up in a fetal position, crying. If we have Allen Robinson in fantasy right now, because he's like like wide receiver, like ninety on the board. And he was drafted as like wide receiver nine. So you know, and the other thing to keep in mind is against the Raiders, who do have a good pass rush, Fields can end up running for yards too in this game. Did you get the sense watching the tape that we're we're trending that way at a couple little plays where it looked like, okay. Well, he didn't really need to in this game because right. he didn't really face a lot of pressure. What about there were, the there were quick game throws and then they 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 protected it up when, when he you know when they wanted to throw it down the field. So he didn't really get much pressure in this game. What about another rookie, uh Trevor Lawrence from Thursday night against a pretty decent Bengals defense? First takeaway to me is, okay, can we let – I think the guy needs some help start using his legs more as as a – found not a foundation, but, you know, an active part of his game. It well, seemed to open things that, up for him. They may do that, but I wouldn't do that for half a second. No, why? Why is that? Because of the way he's built. He's going to get hurt. Right. He's a stock-built kind of guy. He's not a powerfully built guy. Um, he doesn't have the body type of, you know, the Justin Herberts, the Josh Allens. He's he's a stock. And I think you got to be careful with that. I mean, um, maybe like a little little lesson like what Daniel Jones is doing this year, you know, you know, just. Yeah, but Jones is built differently. I mean, yeah. I've been around Lawrence. I've seen him in person. Um, I thought he was better this past week, incrementally better. 
Um, and I think that's a positive sign. I also don't think it hurts. And, you know, this, this is proven, by the way, that when you can have a productive and volume run game, it helps your quarterback. And yeah. that was the first game in which they had a productive and volume run game. I mean, again, I thought James Robinson looked tre- tremendous. Uh, I don't think he looked that good. He definitely looks a little more dynamic this year. I mean, yeah, but that, but the production wasn't there th- through the first three games. They couldn't run the ball. Yeah. Well, week one, now, I, they, know, they were giving Carlos Hyde the ball, too. I, I haven't know. done a hardcore breakdown of their run game, but they could not run the football, and that poses a problem for Trevor Lawrence at this point in his career. Do you think uh, LaVisca Chenault's usage will shift a little bit here with DJ Chark out? I mean, I just don't get a warm and fuzzy feeling watching Chenault in the slot. He's, he's a little slow. Well, what do you mean by shift? Do you think he's going to move outside? Well, at the very least, run more vertical routes because we we saw that Thursday night and I was like, wow, because he didn't do that last year, I don't think, at all. Well, he caught the one deep ball, which is kind of a second reaction play, so you can't really call that wow. a vertical route in the strict sense. Um, you know, I, I think they really like him as a screen guy, as a run-after-catch guy. I think they like him as as that kind of player, not necessarily as a vertical route runner. Yeah, like a Cordero Patterson, although he's getting vertical. Yeah, well, Patterson could run. I mean, right. when Patterson came out of Tennessee. Of course, he was a receiver more than a back. Yeah, and he yeah, could, yeah, he could run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's almost been ten years, if you can believe that. For I know it's Cord- crazy, Cordero. Moving on here, the Fantasy Points Podcast here, Week 5 edition. I'm John Hansen, Greg Cosell. This, again, a little bit of a teaser. Uh, some of the content that Greg brings to the table, we're actually uh, only up – we only got about 10 more minutes here. So Joe Burrow in that same game, it just seems like – am I crazy? Or in that game last week and maybe the week before, I don't know if he was as good last year. And that bodes well coming off this ACL. Yeah, I mean, he's a very comfortable player. I mean, I think we've said that, you know, pretty much from the time he came into the league. Um, He's very rhythmic. Uh, The ball comes out. You know, they attack some one-on-ones on on the outside with Chase when they feel they're there. But other than that, it's a short to intermediate pass game. Um, I think the nature of the opponent dictates certain things that they do. Um, So this week they've got Green Bay at home in a very, very big game. Green Bay will be without Jari Alexander. Green Bay is multiple with their coverages. You know, you're going to get a number of coverage looks. Um, but, you know, now they're down in the secondary because Jari Alexander is a top five corner in the league. And Burrow is – at what point do we do we say that we don't worry about, like, the young quarterback deal? Like, because he just seems to be so advanced for a second-year quarterback uh, here in early October. You, when you say not worry about it, you mean in terms of what? You know how like, uh, oh, Vic Fangio is going to bring a lot of stuff, you know? Like, oh, I mean, we're already um, to that point where we're, we're treating him like a five-year veteran almost. Well, uh, you know, again, it was a couple of weeks ago that he did throw the three picks. Was it against, who was that against, Pittsburgh maybe? Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. Oh, no, Chicago, Chicago. Oh, right. It was against Chicago. And, yeah, you yeah, know, he had game. the bad game. He didn't see some stuff in that game. So, yeah, again. I mean, I think he's going to be a really good player, but it's hard for me to say that, you know, when you say don't worry about him, um, 
you know, I think he's in a, even though he's not a downfield thrower in a strict sense, he's an aggressive thrower. So I, I always think there's going to be some situations where he throws a pick. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that throws, you know, 20 picks, but you know, I think there'll be some situations where that happens because he he will turn it loose. Now he's not he's not shy about turning it loose. I'm sure he knows who's on the other side of the field. There, these guys tend to bring their A game when they're up against you know like li- living legends uh, like Aaron Rodgers. Um, Titan offense quickly, boy. Do we have an offense? Can we just call it Derrick Henry? You know the yeah. I mean he he's on pace for uh, probably 500 carries, given that it's a 17 game schedule. He's had 96 carries in the last three games. That's I don't really I don't really see a drop off. <clears throat> I mean maybe he was a little not quick twitch to begin with, so there's nothing to lose there. No. I mean he seems they're, like they're, the same guy, right? Yeah, their biggest issue was twofold, and I guess AJ Brown was out at practice today, but I have no idea what his status is. But they've had. No explosive pass plays in each of the last two weeks uh, and with their wide receivers, I mean, and um, their red zone has been, which is, was a strength for the last two years. Their red zone has been poor this year. They're not scoring touchdowns. So those two areas are killing them. The explosive play thing is killing them because yeah. they used to get a ton of those explosives off their run game and they're not getting that. So well, now they get stuck with just a run game and Henry's yeah. great. But that normally does not produce big points in the NFL. But what's most impressive is last year you had Johnny making explosive plays. You had Corey Davis and, and had AJ Brown. AJ Brown. You really get none yeah. of that. Yet Henry's still getting it done. Correct. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh no, Henry's great. You know, Hen- he's been, uh, he- AJ Brown limited today. So I guess that's a good sign. Well, uh, what about Julio? Um, I bet he didn't practice. Yeah, it's he's Wednesday. not even he on here. Uh, oh wait, um, wasn't spotted. So yeah, yeah, it's not good. I I don't feel good about Julio at all. And they're like, both hamstrings, which you got to be careful with, as you know, John. I mean, you know, they want those guys out there, obviously, because they're going to feel like they need a win. But you know, you don't want Brown to come out too soon and then tear a hamstring, and he's out for the season. It's like Logan Thomas is out for a month, right? You know, it, it looked innocuous at the time. I'm doing TV with Dr. Mark Addox, and he was like, yeah, he's probably going to go on IR. And Yeah, and, and there's I don't know the reason. Maybe Dr. Addox knows the reason, but it seems to me there's a lot of hamstring injuries this year. Well, he would he would clearly attribute that, I, I would guess. I know last year he would simply attribute it to fewer moments in the facility with the team, you know, working out in the offseason. That could be the case. Yeah. Moving on here, just a, a couple of other things. Zach Wilson, um, I mean, get to the crux of the matter here. I, I feel like I'm okay with some of the rookie mistakes. I, I f- you know, I know he's undisciplined, a little crazy out there. I do see the traits, though. It's only a couple of games, few games here. So I, I feel like he's on track. Where, where are you at with uh, Zach Wilson? Um, I think people got excited this week because he made two big throws off movement, which we know he can do. He's got live feet he's got a loose arm um and those throws were phenomenal um but i think that he still had issues with ball placement he missed too many throws that he must make routinely uh i'm i'm curious to see if this game just because they won and he didn't make a few big plays will be a stepping stone or if he just made a couple of special second reaction throws which we know he's capable of i i, I don't know the answer to that 
But well, I mean, it's a very similarly in. favorable matchup against Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still got a lot of work to do, but he's he's gifted. But he's clearly still got work to do. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, we're four games in here, so yeah. I mean, I, I'm Mister Early, early, um, early call here. But you know, my my early calls that's already in the books. I mean, uh, he's pro. I think he can process. It seems like he processes, snaps it off, all the good stuff, and. You know, just a little rough around the edges uh, right, right now. So, um, how about Kyler Murray? He's in year number three, and it just seems like it's kind of all coming together right now. Where he he's mentally ready to do the best that he's possibly uh, you know capable of doing yeah. here. Is it is that is that fair? I think that he's playing. I think the difference in Murray this year is just the way he's playing from the pocket. Because he'll always make those special plays. He did that in his first two years. The issue in his first two years was that he missed too many throws from the pocket that were routine. Um, now, not only do I think he's seeing things better, but he's far more efficient and consistent throwing the ball from the pocket. And that's the reason he's taking the step up, not because he can run around. He's always right. going to run around. That's well, yeah, I mean, game. he's keeping that as a back pocket item right now. Oh, no, that's who he is, and that's part of his game. So – He'll always do that, but the consistency comes from his ability to make throws from the pocket, which also involves seeing things, understanding things pre-snap. I think that development has has taken place, and he's getting better and better. No, I meant that as a compliment, like in that last year often, and especially the rookie year, it was like, almost default, you're, you're going to that. Now he's, he only uses it when he needs it, the running. Yeah, and... and 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 that's ultimately where you want to get to. Yeah. Um, but and he'll, he'll always have that in his back pocket, like you said. But how much uh, credit do we give Cliff Kingsbury here? It's just year three of the offense. I know last year at the combine he seemed really excited about year two. Year two didn't work out well, but maybe better late than never here in year three. Yeah, because because when we were at the combine, it was a week later that everything shut down. He was he was talking, I'm sure, as if he was going to have a normal off season, and he didn't. Yep. Um, so this year he did. Um, I, you know what? I like what Kingsbury does. I watched Murray, as you know, last summer from 2020, and I thought he that Kingsbury does a lot of good things with his personnel, his formations, his route combinations. I think he really attacks zone coverage well with intermediate and vertical route concepts. I think Kingsbury does a really good job. And now that Murray is becoming kind of more controlled, more efficient, that's playing out more. Jalen Hurts quickly, um, very good performance. It, it's like it almost feels like you could you could tell in the first drive or two whether it's going to be a good performance or not so good, like the week before. How much of that do you think is the the coverage base that he's seeing? Who are we talking about, Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts, yeah. Jalen Hurts is fascinating to me for this reason. He clearly makes good plays, some really good plays. He shows flashes of being a really good player. Yeah. But the question is, can he develop the patience and pocket poise needed to make the throws that he leaves on the field? Because he leaves a ton of throws on the field because he breaks down prematurely and drops his eyes. And he he's missed touchdowns this year because of that. You know, can he get to that point where he doesn't do that? How much better at that was Dak than Hurts when he came out? Because we've seen Dak steadily Dak, improve. Dak was not an eyedropper. 
Mm. Right. Yeah. Hertz okay. is an eyedropper. Yeah. Could and be a problem. If you do that, you're done. Could I mean, be a problem. When I say done, you're done with the throws. He can run at that point, and he's he's good at it, but you're done with the throws. Do you get the sense Kenny Gainwell is really moving up in the world here in this offense? Yeah. I lo- you know how I feel about Gainwell. I love Kenny Gainwell. Like, is this a dual backfield at this point? Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see if they if they run the ball. They, they've not done that the last two weeks basically at all. They've had right. no run game. Now, Sam Darnold, how did oh, – I was going to say a lot of people believe you don't need one, but, you know, they've had no run game. Right. And if for people who feel you don't need one, I would say to them, go to something Brandon Staley said earlier this week. I'm sure you can find it on social media. Talking about the importance of the run game, I thought it was phenomenal. That said, though, you and others have said, oh, you don't need to run the ball to run play action. Well, no, no, that that's a whole separate question, John. Okay. You don't need to run the ball to run play action. I'm right. talking about actually handing the ball to the back. Yeah, and I think that does a lot of things. Stays yeah. on schedule. He keeps the pass rusher at bay. It, it does a lot of good things, you know. It does. <clears throat> but people should go listen to Brandon Staley. And in two minutes, he gives you kind of a, a snapshot worldview of what running the ball does. Yeah, well, he does speak really well. I mean, hell, Greg, I could even argue the GOAT last year needed them in Tampa to run the ball more. Right? Right. I mean, yeah. The, 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 no, but it's it's the other part. It's proven, John. You don't need to run for play action. That that's that's been proven for years. For people who think still think that's the case, they they don't know anything. They're wrong. Right. That's. I mean, proven. that's not something I really yeah delve into, and <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't I don't really care about that argument. I got no no dog in that race. But I, I want to quickly say on Sam Darnold. How did he fare in what is quickly turning into one of the tougher matchups out there, uh, dare I say, Greg? You mean the against, Cowboys defense? Against the Cowboys, yeah, yeah. Cowboys defense is is really good. In fact, I can make the argument that Dan Quinn is, is taking a page from the Belichickian defensive template, which is front multiplicity and coverage consistency playing a lot of man-to-man coverage. Yeah. You know, and Darnold, that game was relatively close, you know, till. Yeah. Late in the third quarter, the um, Darnold's first interception, believe it or not, um, you know, Diggs, Diggs made a mistake in coverage. He, he was in the wrong place, and, and he made the pick. He was absolutely wrong in his coverage. Um, the second one was very similar to what he did against the Eagles the week prior on Monday night, just reading the triangle from the quarterback to the receiver, jumping the route before the ball was thrown, big-time play. But the first one, he – he made a mistake in coverage, and he, he was actually in a place he shouldn't have been, and he was able to make an interception. Let's exclude, like, Devontae Adams and, and like, you know, the freak Tyree Kill. Have you seen a better receiver this year than D.J. Moore? <clears throat> yeah, D.J. Moore's, you know, a really good receiver. Um, and obviously the numbers show that as well. Um, he's predominantly their ex, their single receiver to the boundary. This is a pretty good offense. I think their whole line is a bit of an issue. And it will be more than likely all season. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think McCaffrey will come back. From what I hear, he's actually, you know, ahead of schedule. I don't know if he plays this week, but I think he's he's not that far away. Yeah, they're looking good. I'll tell people out there, I mean, I've got a pretty good handle on it. If McCaffrey's active, that means he's good to go. Yeah. I mean, because otherwise they're not going to risk it. No, you're right. I don't know about 30 carries good to go, but 15, you know, and all that. Well, that's just a sample 
of some of the insights we gain every week from Greg Cosell, Greg, Adam, and I, uh, Adam Kaplan and I do uh, the live stream every Thursday. We cover all the matchups forthcoming. It's about an hour, 25 minutes, 20 minutes like that. We we go rapid fire. A lot of, a lot of insight. Uh, somebody called today on the radio and was complimenting uh, the live stream. Apparently, we, we got a lot of stuff right last week, like like Debo, for one. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of good stuff there, Greg. So, well, let's get back into the film room, and we'll wrap it here. Obviously, make sure you check out all the other podcasts here from fantasypoints.com on the on the stream if you will or the um the feed is what I want to wanted to say there and 21 hands and 10 save 10% off your script, subscription to fantasypoints.com which the prices did just get dropped here in week number 5 for Greg I'm John we'll catch you next week on the Fantasy Points Matchup Podcast Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.